Hi, welcome to Classics Unlocked, a program brought to you by Universal Music and Classics Direct. I'm Graham Abbott. This is a solo cello, playing music that's now regarded as utterly central to any cellist's repertoire. This music is the subject of this program. The composer of this music is Johann Sebastian Bach, one of the giants of music in the first half of the 18th century and one of the giants of the entire history of music. I could make a thousand programs like this about Bach and his music and still not get to the end of the incredible riches he created. The music we're focusing on here is a set of six suites for unaccompanied cello. In Bach's time, a suite usually meant a collection of short pieces, more often than not in dance forms, and these cello works conform exactly to that description. What's unusual about them is that Bach's suites seem to be the first of their kind for unaccompanied cello. And this music, despite being regarded now as essential and fundamental for every cellist, still presents a few questions. One of the most important of these is that no manuscript of the cello suites in Bach's hand is known to have survived. This has led to some strange theories recently claiming that Bach didn't write these works. Despite this, no serious Bach scholar in the world believes that anyone other than Johann Sebastian Bach wrote the cello suites. But still, we're not certain when he wrote them. The evidence suggests that they were written while he was employed as music director in Kirsten from 1717 to 1723, a secular appointment in which he was required to write mainly instrumental works rather than sacred music. But beyond this, we have no idea why they were written or for whom. Four copies from the 18th century are known, though they're not in Bach's hand. Two date from around 1720-1730, which is within a decade of the presumed date of composition, and two date from later in the century. One of the two earlier copies is in the handwriting of the composer's second wife, Anna Magdalena Bach, who played an important role in assisting her husband in copying music out for performance. The other copy is in the hand of the organist Johann Peter Kellner, who knew Bach personally and who may or may not have been his student. There are differences among the four 18th century copies, mostly in terms of articulation, that is, if notes and phrases are slurred or played separately, and occasionally in terms of the actual pitch of the notes. So there's a wide range of views among scholars and performers as to how the cello suites should be played. Unlike Bach's works for unaccompanied violin, written around the same time, the cello suites all follow the same structure of movements. And also, unlike the violin works, there seems to be a progression of difficulty through the six suites, from the relative simplicity of the first suite, to quote the cellist Richard Tunnicliffe, to the challenging virtuosity of the sixth. In fact, another writer, Stefan Grondelers, has pointed out that the six cello suites seem to move away from actually being for the cello at all. The first three suites, while increasing in difficulty, are all written in keys which suit the regular four-stringed cello perfectly, G major, D minor and C major. The fourth suite, though, is in E flat major, a much less comfortable key on the instrument. The fifth suite goes even further by requiring the performer to retune one string, while the sixth suite was most likely written for an instrument of five strings. The cello suites are all structured the same way, using French dance forms. 
Each has six movements. Prelude, Allemande, Courante, Sarabande, a pair of so-called galante dances, and a final jig. The galante dances are also logically planned. The first two suites have minuets, the middle two have bourrées, and the final two gavottes. In this program, all the musical examples will be drawn from a famous recording featuring Pierre Fournier. At the beginning of the program, we heard part of the prelude to the first suite. The second movement in each suite, the Allemande, was generally regarded as a serious sort of dance, even if it wasn't particularly slow. in the first suite, a pair of minuets, work in the same way as the minuet movements do in classical symphonies. The second minuet is what we might call a central trio, after which the first minuet is repeated from the top, or da capo in Italian. This differentiation is made even clearer in this suite by the trio minuet being in the minor key. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you. 
Bach's second cello suite immediately comes across as more weighty and serious because of its use of the minor key, and D minor is very rich and resonant on the cello. But the composer takes the complexity of the music up a notch as well, right from the start of the prelude. The preludes for the first four suites, while strictly written out, often have a feeling of being almost improvised. the glory of the D minor suite is its saraband. By Bach's time, these forms had largely ceased to be actually danced and had sort of petrified into instrumental forms in suites like this. The saraband of this suite completely transcends its dance origins in Bach's hands to become music of great depth.
The third suite returns us to the world of major keys, and the key of C major rings brightly on the cello because of the pitch of its lowest string, the C below the bass clef. Bach makes this abundantly clear right at the start of the prelude, where a scale and an arpeggio spanning two octaves ends up on the instrument's lowest note before going on. And the brightness of C major pervades the entire suite, although this is perhaps deceptive because the third suite contains considerable technical challenges for the player. The Allemande, the second movement, is unusual because it's far more lively than we might expect from this normally stately dance. Bach's music is based almost entirely on short note values, semiquavers and demi-semiquavers. But the cellist needs to intimately understand the inner harmonic journey of this music and not be distracted by the blackness of the notes on the page in order to make it make sense. In some of the gigue movements, which end each of the cello suites, Bach seems to let his wig down a little. The music takes on some earthier elements, suggesting the common people rather than the elegance of the court. The gigue, which concludes the third suite, makes use of drones, which suggest what Bach would have called the musette, an instrument like the bagpipe, which was common across Europe. <laughs>
Progression of technical difficulty through Bach's six cello suites picks up considerably from the fourth suite, which is in E-flat major. The cello, and stringed instruments generally, tend to resonate more clearly in keys which are akin to the open strings, C, G, D and A in the case of the cello. These are keys on what musicians think of as the sharp side of the spectrum, G major, D major and A major, for example. But... Flat keys like E-flat major are less founded on the open strings, so don't sit quite as easily under the hand. The technical requirements of the E-flat suite are also considerable, as is the level of musical understanding required to make the music come alive. For example, on the page, the prelude looks like a dull series of quavers for half its length, after which the music seems to go in odd directions. A key to understanding this music is to realise that there's more than one part or voice going on here. The bass line, the lowest note of each group, is meant to be imagined as continuing under the other notes, like an organ pedal part. When performer and listener alike understand this, the prelude of the fourth suite suddenly reveals itself to be remarkably rich. In the faster-moving passages later in the movement, we're taken on a wild journey into remote keys. The feeling of improvisation is perhaps stronger here than in any of the other preludes.
Over the course of the first three suites, the courant movements have become more agile and virtuosic. And in the fourth suite, this continues. Leaping passages in quavers, showy passages in triplets and high double stopping are all included. solo cello suites are written for the conventional cello in its conventional tuning, but the final two suites depart from this. The fifth suite in C minor requires the cellist to tune the cello's highest string, the A string, down a tone to G. This immediately makes available different combinations of notes for double stopping and chords, and provides different resonances, which in this case suit the key of C minor very well. Such a practice was not uncommon in virtuoso violin music of the Baroque, but in the realm of cello music, this retuning, called scordatura, was much rarer. The fifth suite also has a very different sort of prelude. Rather than suggesting an improvisation, as before, here Bach gives the cello the challenge of playing a prelude followed by a fugue, a multi-voiced structure better known from Bach's keyboard and vocal music. There are three fugue movements in the unaccompanied violin sonatas, but the second part of this prelude is the only time a fugue-type movement appears in the cello suites.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The C minor prelude is the longest prelude in the collection, and the rest of the suite is extraordinary. The levels of seriousness and sheer technical challenge in the fifth suite are elevated throughout. Which all too quickly brings us to the sixth suite, which is in D major. Here there's been a great deal of discussion about the instrument Bach intended for this music. The early sources indicate that the sixth suite is written for a five-stringed instrument, with an added top string tuned to E. But opinions are still sharply divided among scholars and performers as to the implications of this. This is a summary of the main positions. Given the higher pitch of the music overall and the indication of the extra string at the top to facilitate the higher notes, a sizable body of opinion holds that Bach intended the small cello, known as the violoncello piccolo, an instrument he also used occasionally in the cantatas. Historical examples of such instruments survive from the 18th century. Alternately, some believe the intended instrument was the so-called viola pomposa, It was long believed that Bach had invented this instrument, which is now known not to be true. But the true viola pomposa is an octave higher than the violoncello piccolo. It's a viola with an added E string on the top, giving it five strings which cover those of both the viola and the violin. Still others say that the viola pomposa and the violoncello piccolo are the same instrument. And then there's yet another instrument, recently reinvented, which is an attempt to make Bach's high cello parts more easily playable. Called the violoncello da spalla, spalla means shoulder, this is a small cello held against the shoulder, rather like a violin or viola. Such an instrument is mentioned in some of Bach's cantatas, although none are known to survive from the 18th century, so its actual construction is a bit of a mystery. Some players are convinced that this is the instrument he had in mind for the sixth suite. Beyond all this, the sixth suite, with some modifications, is playable on the regular four-string cello, and although the high-lying music presents considerable technical challenges for the player, there is a long-standing tradition of playing this suite on the regular cello. This is what Pierre Fournier does in this recording. The much higher range of the music, not to mention the virtuosic demands on the player, are clearly evident in the gig-like prelude of the sixth cello suite. This movement alone has a range of three and a half octaves.
The sixth suite provides challenges and surprises at every turn. But we'll end where this remarkable collection itself ends, with the final jig. Music of utter joy for the listener, and, I imagine, moments of utter terror for the cellist. This program featured award-winning recordings of Bach's cello suites played by the French cellist Pierre Fournier, who died in 1986. Regarded as one of the finest cellists of the 20th century, his recordings of the Bach suites were made in Bonn in December 1960 for Archiv. He used a Venetian cello made by Matteo Goffrier in 1722. They still hold their own in a market dominated by the greatest names in the cello world, and when I first heard them, I was gobsmacked. Refreshing readings from start to finish. My thanks to Tom Ford for the technical production of the program. I'm Graham Abbott. Catch you next time. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.